Good morning, church. It is an absolute honor again and privilege to be with you. And I just want to say, I've been saying this every week. It's important for you to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be online, to hear the messages. We are really praying and believing that each one of these messages through this season are stepping stones that are helping us process and live in God's will. And so that is our heart. And so we are so um, glad that you've been intentional. And I am sure in the midst of all of this that you guys have been on time. You're not late to live stream. I doubt anybody has jumped on late to live stream. I doubt you've left early, but maybe you have. We can tell and we watch. So we'll talk to you later about it. I'm kidding. Um, but I do, I do want you to know that this place is not the same without you. Uh, the church definitely is not a building, but it is not less than a building. And facilities do facilitate, and having that freedom and desire and passion to gather is, is a part of who we are. And so, man, I just I miss all of you, and uh, just wanted you to know that... Uh, I am, I am adjusting as well. I am no longer sitting. I have had enough sitting. I have taken that stool, and I'm not going to sit. I got my table back, and I am standing, and this is going to be a fun morning as we process God's Word together. Uh, last week, we talked about, have we lost our minds? Kind of a message around a Christ-centered, godly mindset, and I'm praying that this week we get them back. Um, if we didn't already... A lot of us took the challenge to take Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and shut out the world and pray and fast and just download Jesus. And I'm so encouraged by the stories of people gaining clarity in this season and just super proud of our church through this time. So as we dial into the last part of Romans chapter 12, I just believe as followers of Jesus, what it looks like to follow him is to have a Christ mindset that we can actually offer our lives as living sacrifices that is pleasing to God in every way by not being like this world, not shaped by this world or conformed to this world, but transformed by a new mind, a Jesus mind, a heavenly mind that allows me to live in the good, pleasing, perfect will of God, that that does exist because I know what God wants me to do and say and be. And so my mind and heart is at peace. And that is one of the greatest gifts that Jesus gives us in seasons like this is his peace. And so we go to Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And I haven't got to do this in a while, so I'll invite you, if you're comfortable in your homes, to stand as we read the Word of God. We're going to chapter 12 of Romans, again, verses 1 and 2, and we will read those together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here it is, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That church is more for us than we would ever know. That's the word of God. So Lord, we just pray in these moments that this word would sink into the very depths of our hearts 
and overflow in our minds, and it would challenge us, it would encourage us, and it would bring life to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to do two things. First, I want to talk about what the will of God is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We're in a season where we need to be very clear on what this means for us as followers of Jesus. And for us as a church, for us as families, for us as individuals, it's the reason we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We want our lives to be an offering of worship to Jesus. Why? Because he's good. We want others to see and know the goodness and greatness of Jesus. That's our heart and it's our desire. And that can't happen if we're conformed to the pattern and values of this world, especially in America, where things uh, more often are way more comfortable than uncomfortable, and yet we find ourselves in a really trying season. And though for some of us it looks one way, for others it may be completely different. For some of us, we may be enjoying this time and others are struggling immensely. And so when we make comments like we are together in this What we really need to be is together in this feeling the weight that not everybody is experiencing the same thing and have that empathy and compassion towards each other, not being transformed by the pattern of this world. And so Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, become heavenly minded, focus on things above, not on things below, which is this earthly mindset, putting most of our value and energy and effort consumed by what's going on here instead of storing up treasures in heaven. And we do that through a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit where he is at work through this truth embracing humility in our life. God comes and loves us for exactly who we are. And in the midst of our sin and our stuff, he puts a finger on our heart and says, I love you. And I'm not here to focus on what's wrong with you, but what's missing in you. That we wouldn't be so consumed what is bad and wrong with us, but what is good about him. And there is humility in that understanding. And humbling us from the inside out and bringing Jesus glorifying truth from the outside in. New hearts and new minds, if you will. So what is this good, pleasing, and perfect will of God that he's talking about here? And then second, how do I live in his will? How do I stay in his will? Be a reflection of Christ to the world instead of a reflection of this world to this world, knowing that we don't change or impact what we simply reflect. So what does Paul mean when he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There are two clear and very different meanings for the term will of God in the Bible, And we have to understand both of them. First, there's God's sovereign will. It's what he does. It's because of who he is and and the promises and what he says that it is the sovereign will of God. He is in control. It's God's sovereign control of all things. The sovereign will of God. It cannot be broken. It always comes to pass. He does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? We see that in Daniel 4, 35. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There won't be a choice. It is the sovereign will of God. We also know that he's making all things new. 
We don't have to always understand the sovereign will. It is the sovereign will of God because he sees all and he is in control. Second, there's God's commanded will. What he asks us to do or be. There is what he does, his sovereign will. And there is what he asks us to do and be. It is his commanded will, what he commands us to do. This is the will of God that we can disobey and fail to do. And so God's sovereign will, we do whether we believe in it or not. And God's commanded will, we can fail to do. For example, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, Matthew 7, 21. Jesus is saying, not all do the will of God. Not all do the will of the Father. He says not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because not all do the will of God. This commanded will of God. And so there are two ways of talking about the will of God. And both are true and both are important for us to understand. And I would say most important for us to trust in. That we can trust in the sovereign and commanded will of God. One we can call God's sovereign will, and the other we can call God's commanded will. And his sovereign will, I just want you to get this, his sovereign will always comes to pass whether we believe in it or not. And his commanded will can be broken, broken, and it is every day. The sovereign will of God is on him. The commanded will of God is on us. Let me maybe give you an example of what this may look like. I know that many of us have walked through some form of abuse, whether as a child or an adult. And it's horrible to have to walk that journey. And, and those even now in the midst of what we're experiencing, experiencing abuse. And someone asks you, do you think that was the will of God? And you can say, no, it was not God's will because he commands that humans not be abusive, but love one another, love each other as we love ourselves. The abuse broke his commandment and therefore moved his heart with anger and grief. We see that in Mark 3 and 5, 3 verse 5. But in another sense, yes, it was God's will, his sovereign will, because there are a ton of ways, there are many ways that he could have stopped it. But for reasons that I don't understand and you don't fully understand, he didn't. And yet Jesus in the garden facing the cross says, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. He trusted God. And so we trust the sovereign will of God. The virus is still here. And so we trust the sovereign will of God that in the midst of it, he is in control. And yet there is the commanded will of God about how we live and act in these moments that we must be clear on as a church and we must follow, we must discern. So which will is God speaking about here in Romans 12 verse 2 when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, the thinking of this world, the shaping of this world, the attitude and actions and lifestyle of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is referring here to God's commanded will, the commanded will of God. It's God's commanded will and not sovereign will because of the phrase, then you will be able to test and approve. So there's, there's an opportunity here. It's not the sovereign where we have no say because God is God, but it is we will be able to test and approve or discern is another word that we would see here. What God's will is implies that we should approve of the will of God, believe that, okay, this is God's will, and then obey it. That's our choice. 
We see the same thing echoed in Hebrews 5.14, which says solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Basically, what's being said here is there are some who are mature in the faith, who understand the word of God, who are being led by the Holy Spirit in such a way that in times like this, they can discern what God is doing and would call us to do. They can see the good and they can see the evil. And we need that in times like this to know what is good and what is evil. That's the goal of this verse, not searching out the secret will of God that he plans to do, but discerning the revealed will of God that we ought to do. It's completely and totally different. So how do we know and do the commanded will of God? His revealed will. It comes from a renewed mind. And last week we talked about how that happens. It's an invitation to the Holy Spirit to come in and transform us from the inside out. It's the revelation that when we look around at humanity, we're no better than the other. And that God loves us. Every person our physical eye sees is deeply loved by God. And God saves us and rescues us. And that humbles us. To know that if God can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. There is that renewed mind that carries with it a Holy Spirit discernment. Why? Because we are dumping in the things of Jesus more than the things of this world. That our mind is full and running over with the things of God. So how do we know and do the commanded will of God? I want to give you three things that I think are incredibly important, and I'll give them to you right away. First, we need to drown ourselves in the word of God. I couldn't think of a better word to just immerse yourself, drown yourself, be so full that you're breathing in, breathing out the word of God. Drown yourself in the word of God. Discern its role in your everyday life. The word of God is important to our everyday life. And we want to discern what God is saying and then delight in the fruit that your life bears as a result of Jesus being present, the word of God at work in us. So let's talk about this. Drown yourself in the word of God. See it clearly, not distorted to what we want it to say. Why? Because that's easy. When we don't lean on the Holy Spirit and we don't allow or surround ourselves with other brothers and sisters in Christ who help us discern what God is saying, it is really easy for us on an island to make a decision about what we think it says that benefits us. And it happens all of the time. Scripture is our guide. Our ultimate authority is the word of God. The Holy Spirit leads us to understand and embrace its truth. Radical commands for self-denial and love and purity and complete satisfaction in Jesus alone comes from the truth of God's word. Challenges our hearts. God's authoritative will of command is found only in Scripture. Paul says that the scriptures are inspired and make the Christian competent, equipped for every good work. I got to tell you, this word of God equips me for every good work. Church, that is powerful. If you want to know, if we want to know what it looks like to do the good things of God in this world today, then it's through his word. We see that in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, not just some good works, but every good work. What energy and time and devotions as Christians we should be spending meditating on the written word of God. We ought to be drowning in it, if that's a possibility, consumed by the word of God. 
drown yourself in the Word of God. Second is discern the role of the Word of God in your everyday life. Discern the role of the Word of God in your everyday life. Like, it, it's literally, I wear glasses. Um, some days I love them, some days I hate them. I love them because they help me see. They help me see the camera. They help me see people. Uh, they help me see what I'm looking for. I love glasses. If I don't have my glasses on, I can't see very well. And I want you to get this image because it's so important that we hear this and we understand this. The Word of God transforms the way we see life, the way we see our circumstances, the way we see um, anything that comes our way. And so when something happens, no matter what it is, something someone says, something someone does, something in life, you put the glasses of the Word of God on and you try to see it from God's perspective. Man, I can't believe they said that. So you put, ah, that hurt. Uh, you, put the, you put the word of, it's, it is the spiritual glasses that we see the world through. What I'm trying to say, and I need to put my glasses on to say it, is we need to discern the role of the word of God in our everyday lives. The word of God speaks to our lives. I'm getting excited. That's why I'm yelling. Isn't it good to be yelling again? Woo! Let the word of God overflow from your mind so that you can discern new things and circumstances from the eyes of his word. Apply the truth of God's word to every new situation that may or may not be explicitly addressed in the Bible. And there are those. The Bible doesn't tell you who to marry. It'd be great if it did. You open it up and it said, marry Natalie. That would have been awesome. Didn't do that. Doesn't tell us when you look at it who to marry or which car to buy or whether to own or rent a home or whether you should go on vacation or not go on vacation or what cell phone plan to choose or which brand of pop or soda you should drink or a thousand other choices that we have to make every day. You won't find the answers in the Bible. If you want to know the future details of God's sovereign will, you don't want a renewed mind. You want a fortune teller. That's not God. What's necessary is that we have this renewed mind that is so shaped and so governed by the commanded and revealed will of God in the Bible that we see and evaluate everything in life, all relevant factors with the mind of Christ and discern what God is calling us to do and be in every situation. This is incredibly very different from constantly trying to hear God's voice saying, do this or do that. People who try to lead their lives by hearing voices are not in step with Romans 12 too. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are threatened if they don't bow, they're going in the furnace. And so they said, hey, maybe God will save us, maybe, we, maybe he won't, but we're not bowing because we know God and we know who he is and we would discern that that would be wrong. So throw us in the furnace. They didn't have a thus saith the Lord. They just knew what they needed to do. There's a world of difference between praying and laboring for a renewed mind that discerns how to apply God's word on the one hand and the habit of asking God to give me some revelation of what to do on the other hand. Seeking knowledge of the future doesn't require transformation. And this is what God's calling us to. God's aim is a new mind, a new way of thinking and judging, not just information. We are on information overload and half the information, we don't even know if it's true or not. And yet we hold the greatest truth of all information that is true right here. Hope I said that right. If you want to know truth, look in God's word. 
Look to God. His desire is that we be transformed, sanctified, freed by the truth of his revealed word. And so we discern and apply the scriptures to new situation in life through our renewed minds. It's Jesus seeking, not self-seeking, not world-seeking. So we drown ourselves in the word of God. We discern the role of the word of God in our everyday life, and we delight in the fruit that your life bears. It's the spillover of Jesus. I love this part. When it comes to the vast majority of living, there really is no conscious reflection before we act. We do most of our lives on autopilot. Research has told us that. You are what you love. It just comes out. It'd be safe to say that a good 90% of our behavior isn't premeditated. Most of our thoughts and attitudes and actions are spontaneous. That's what's so encouraging sometimes and so discouraging other times. They're just the spillover of what's inside. What's spilling over right now? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasures bring forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasures bring forth evil. Church, I got to tell you, there's a lot of evil in our day. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Matthew 12, 34 through 36. Every action. That's not to threaten or be a downer. That's good truth. God commands things like don't be angry, don't be prideful, don't covet, don't be anxious, don't be jealous, don't envy, don't fear. I mean, do you ever hear lists like that and go, yeah, but I want to. Like, I want to be jealous. I would love to be jealous. I wish I was just more envious and anxious and covetous and prideful and angry. I want that. Nobody does that. Nobody says that. Don't fear. None of these actions are premeditated. Anger, pride, covetousness, anxiety, jealousy, envy, fear. They all just rise up out of the heart with no conscious reflection or intention. And we're guilty because of them. They break the commandment of God. And so Jesus comes along and says, I want to change all that. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the Holy Spirit bring good good fruit from your heart as we pour in the goodness of Jesus, as we sit with the Holy Spirit, as we just become people who so enjoy God that he transforms us. Isn't it so obvious that there is one incredible goal of the Christian life? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like it or not, our minds are the devil's playground and there's just a lot of playing going on. We need new hearts and new minds. Make the tree good and the fruit will be good, Matthew 12, 3. That's the incredible challenge. This is what God calls us to and we can't do it on our own. We need Jesus who died for our sins and we need the Holy Spirit to lead us into this Jesus-glorifying truth and to work in each of us truth-embracing humility from the inside out. I'm a child of God, but it came at a price. And so we give ourselves fully to this, the will of God. Drown yourself in the word of God. And if you struggle to understand it, surround yourself with people who do. But you got the Holy Spirit with you, and he's the best teacher I know. Drown yourself in the word of God and ask God to bring it to life. Pray he give you a love for it like you've never loved anything. Discern its role in your everyday life. Learn to see life through his word. 
and delight in the fruit that your life bears because you're full of Christ so much that it just comes out. The will of God. The mind of Jesus, whatever the cost, it leads us to the will of God. I want to close just by challenging us maybe one step further. It says in Proverbs 27, 17, that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's interesting that iron is used in both situations. The material is iron that sharpens iron, that humans have the opportunity to make each other better. The reason that is, is because one of those pieces of iron, if you can imagine a blacksmith drawing out a blade, sharpening a blade with another piece of iron that has been tempered, it might look different. It might have a different use, but it's because it's been tempered, it's been through the fire, if you will. And because of that, it can be part of sharpening the untempered blade before it too is tempered so that it can do its work. That's what God is painting. That's the picture he is painting is we need people in our lives who have walked this journey or walking this journey who you respect their ability to know the word of God and discern the word of God and apply the word of God. And there is fruit coming out of their life that when you look at the tree, it is good because the fruit's good. And you bring them into your life. Church, I want to tell you right now, we need community, biblical community, people who love Jesus passionately right now more than we have ever needed it. We cannot make decisions about our lives, about each day without processing it with biblical community, people who love Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, and He has given us each other. And I am asking and challenging us in this season to be creative in finding ways to be together. Maybe it's time as community groups that we begin to gather. Yes, social distance, but begin to see each other face to face. We need that, just like we need the sun on our skin. We need each other's voice in our lives to see each other, to be together, to be with each other. It was the gift God gave us. One of the most important things about discerning the will of God is not to discern that will on an island, but to allow the Holy Spirit and his word to speak to you and then surround yourself with other people who love Jesus who can speak truth as well. I pray that for you. I've got that gift in my life in so many ways. And I pray that for you. May we be a people who don't lose our minds in this season, but we gain the mind of Christ so we can know the will of God, so that our lives can be a sacrifice of worship to the king, who is the king of the kingdom, the one we're part of, if we love Jesus. May we love Jesus so we can love each other. Father, I pray in these moments that we would not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, the thinking of this world, the way of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know and approve the good, pleasing, perfect will of God, your commanded will in our life, what we need to do and be in these moments that will honor you most. We need you, Holy Spirit, to fill us every day. We need your word, O God, to be the passion of our souls because the word of God is truth and it sets us free and you are the word of God. 
And we need each other's voices. And we need to see one another. And I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to take the step to invite iron to sharpen iron so that we can discern and know and live in the will of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church.